Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, and welcome to Transform Now. This is Zena Thetan, Vice President of Customer Experience for Blue Prism and co-founder of Women in RPA. I'm very pleased to welcome with me today, Louise Wall of E18 Consulting. Hi, Louise. Hi, Zena. How are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. Louise, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and what y'all do? Yeah, I'm a director and owner of E18 Consulting. We set up the business seven years ago now, coming up this summer, which is absolutely flown by. I've come from a family of entrepreneurs. So for me, setting up the business wasn't particularly scary, although there's obviously going from full-time employed to running your own business, there is a step change. But yeah, I was heading towards 40 and thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to be able to do it. So I took the plunge and absolutely never looked back. And we set up the business to help technology providers sort of access the NHS and also we support the NHS to access technology providers. So we were almost like that middleman of consultancy to make sure the, the best solution is being re- recommended for the NHS and other pu- public sector bodies. But the NHS is really where our, our heart is and where most of the work is that we do. So yeah, anything digital transformation, we're looking at making the NHS more productive with the resources that they've got. And technology has been a great enabler to do that. And I think especially with COVID hitting, that has massively fast-tracked that journey of adoption. Even an example of people using um, Teams now, Microsoft Teams, the NHS use it day in, day out, as obviously a lot of people do. But before that, it was quite a new technology. We're all traveling from NHS hospital to up and down the country. Yeah, I think technology has definitely helped them step into this new way of working. So yeah, that's been us the last seven years working across a diverse number of different companies to deliver digital transformation. Well, congratulations on your success. And for those listeners not in the UK, you may know the NHS is the National Healthcare System. So you are deep in healthcare. You mentioned other public services as well, but predominantly healthcare is your expertise. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So you mentioned all types of technology as well. And what are the reasons that are driving more technology being needed in healthcare, specifically automation? Yes, I think the main reason has been that the resource pressure, and when I say resource, that sort of covering finances as well as human resource has been under pressure for so many years now. And actually there's no sign of that getting any easier. So there's lots of people leaving the profession for various reasons, for some of them a little bit political, so I'm probably not meant to go into that. There's a strain on resources. There's more demand from patients. Um, and we have to start learning to, to work differently in order to keep the level of patient care at the high level that I know the NHS give. So something has to change. You can't just keep throwing money at the service. It has to be about transformational change, about how people are, you know, 
in their daily life, you know, what are they doing and, and how efficient are they with their time? And I think with automation, it is an absolutely perfect technology to be able to support them to get rid of the mundane, repetitive tasks that actually they're not adding any value to. And it's taking time away from actually dealing with patients. But there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of focus now on mental health and well-being for the NHS staff. And if you can relieve some of that sort of mundane, repetitive work and give that to a digital worker, then that's really going to alleviate some of the pressures and also the financial pressures. They want to be able to be more sustainable financially going forward. And they can't just keep adding and adding staff to the roster when actually the cost of a digital worker versus say five or six humans is a massive financial business case. That's been an interesting draw as well as the impact on the actual staff members. It's interesting you mis uh, mentioned the cost of a digital worker compared to uh, staff. I think it's also important to note that we're talking about very trained, qualified staff who have gone to uni gotten degrees to be medical professionals, nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors. How much of the time do you suspect they spend doing non-bit work, like you trained work, they trained to be a nurse? How much time do you expect they spend not being a nurse? <laughs> I think if you ask them, the answer would be too much. And I think it's difficult to put a, probably put a number on it because it's quite different for, for the different sort of professions that you've mentioned there and also it's really important to mention the clinical admin almost like the back office function that supports those clinicians as well so if we can get patients seen quicker or prioritized better because of the clinical admin systems utilizing automation that helps the clinician it helps the clinician to be able to have full visibility of the patient notes so it's pulling information from different systems that's enabling them to fast track that treatment as well. Yes, we do not want doctors and highly qualified clinicians typing information into one system and then repeating it into another. We really don't. We want to make it as easy as possible. But there's definitely the sort of the back office function. We call them the unsung heroes behind the scenes that are just making it happen, making sure the patients are getting seen and all of the tests that they need to have. That can all be done and automated a lot more efficiently with digital workers than it is currently with, with the admin staff. And they don't want to be doing all of that repetitive tasks. They want to be on the phone to the patient, as well as obviously the clinician having that face-to-face -face time that we give them back. And that I think that's really important that when we look at these projects, we don't really measure it in any other sort of metrics apart from time. So what time can we give back to the NHS? And what are they going to do with that time? What's the added value that they're going to give back to the organization to spend on patient care, which is the ultimate goal with all of this. And that is why we have such a passion for it. I can't say I get overly excited when I'm talking about automating invoices, but when we're looking at clinical referrals and prioritization of patients on a backlog elective care waiting list, that's where we get passionate and we get really excited about what we do. Yeah, so I love the way you referred to the back office as the unsung heroes. Do you have a story you can tell us about an unsung hero tasking work that they had that you were able to free them up from? What that not only did for their own employee satisfaction, but what they were then able to give back and what they were able to in turn do uh, 
that higher value work once you returned that capacity back to the business? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the most uh, valuable processes that we automate is the referral process. So that's where the GP is referring the patient into the secondary care for any other sort of treatment that they may need. That can be quite a manual process so that we have people within, within a pool of admin workers actually coming in the morning and they've got a whole load of people to be able to, to put through that process. And it was taking 20 minutes a patient. And one of the examples, and this goes back to one of the case studies that we've got, not one that E18 have done, but it is one that, that was prevalent with the early stages of Blue Prism in, in the NHS. And it took that process down from 20 minutes to two minutes. So in terms of the number of patients that got referred, not only did it make sure that was more efficient, it really freed up the time that the admin staff were spending doing that and they had more time to actually speak to the patient and answer any queries or questions. There's nothing worse when you're not very well that you're hanging on the end of a phone waiting to get through to the right people to really validate your appointment and maybe ask some questions that you're a a little bit concerned about before you attend the clinic. They're just not the poor workers there to do it. They're the human workers there to do it because they're, they're manually just inputting into a system. But from a human side of it, one of the secretaries actually was like, do you know what? I come in the morning and I can actually have a cup of tea before I start work and I can go home on time. And that's a really big thing in the moment with mental health and wellbeing. It's about having that, that day that it actually isn't just constantly in front of the screen and you're working overtime just to clear the backlog. And I think that makes a big difference to the human side of things. What are, how do they feel? Initially, they might feel a bit concerned that the, the digital workers are going to take over the world and take their jobs. But actually, when they realize that this is there to help them and free up their time, the list of processes that come through in terms of the requests is mad because it all gets around the organization and like, oh, I've got a process that I want to put forward. So that becomes the next challenge. It's like, how do you prioritize which process is the next one to do? What's more important than the next one that comes in? So. Yeah, there's a few challenges, but actually we've got so many examples now in the NHS of where this has worked across all of the different functions and clinical is a big area, as we said, but yeah, there's lots of positive impacts to the staff once it's in. I would love to be able to have a cup of tea before I start and leave on time. Yeah, <laughs> I can't guarantee everyone does that, but that was her, definitely her experience. That's wonderful experience, even if it helps that pool of workers reducing from 20 minutes to two minutes, giving 18 minutes back in the day to provide better patient care, speak to patients, provide that level of bedside manner that I know everybody at the NHS wants to make as perfect as possible is remarkable. What are some of the uh, top challenges that you're solving? Maybe make, maybe give us some examples of some different department challenges. You've already talked a bit about clinical. Obviously, don't get excited about automating a bunch of invoice processing. Can, can completely agree with that. But what are some of the more tougher challenges that maybe y'all are facing and that you're solving through intelligent automation? Yeah, it's a really good one. So one that I, I get really to do get excited about as well is the is the HR workforce processes because again that although it's there's a lot of admin processes there that we're automating it has it has an actual impact on the front line 
So if they're not able to get the staff in to be able to look after the patients and it's taking them ages to onboard and do the whole sort of end-to-end process, then we can have a really positive impact again on that patient care because we've got the right people in the right place at the right time and it's not a long drawn out process. And also they're able to spend more time with the candidate. They're able to spend more time with the, 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 the managers to make sure the candidates that they're putting through are top quality. And that's made a big difference to a lot of HR departments. And we're certainly seeing a big uptick probably in the last six months where HR have been reaching out directly to us because they've heard of the, the positive impacts that it's had in certain other trusts. So the word is getting around. I, I keep saying to them, have you got like some HR WhatsApp group or something? Because it just seems everyone's really on on the right track here with HR. And I think that's probably our next one of its biggest focus is just to help standardize that really. And the pro, I, I think the technology that they use at the moment, and again, I'm not going to name names of brands of um, solutions, but they're not particularly user-friendly. And that is the feedback from a lot of NHS staff. So if automation can help bridge that gap, then they're happy as anything as, a, as the HR teams. So they've definitely embraced it as a function. So HR, clinic, finance, definitely have some broad work going on there across the NHS. What's the most fun and genuine innovative digital worker that that you uh, deployed that's a really good one i don't know if, I don't know if i can actually say that anything's been thought that far <laughs> um i'm just trying to think now it put me on the spot on that one in terms of a big impact that is actually meant quite a lot to me it's not so much on sort of the fun scale but it's the cam so it's the children and adults mental health platform that we've supported order hay with and Basically, that's about streamlining that referral process for children and young adults that need that sort of mental health support. And it's about giving them one journey rather than them having to log into different systems to be passed from pillar to post. Even if underneath the platform, there might be 12 organisations that offer care to that individual. You want the patient to feel like it's just one, it's just one pathway, it's just one sort of care package around them and automation is being used underneath that particular platform of innovation that we've put forward to be able to move that information and referral information, managing appointments, cancelling appointments, moving medical notes from one place to another. That for me has been the most innovative use of automation and very impactful for obviously what, what it does. So I think that's probably my example on that one. I think the output of that is very joyous, I'll say, because we're it, focused on our youth and their health care, uh, their well-being, their mental health care, which is so important and often overlooked. So I'm glad to hear that automation and the NHS in general is focused on that uh, subject area. It, it is uh, It is important. Have you ventured into emerging technologies using natural language processing, OCR, any type of augmentation of just plain old RPA to provide that intelligence smartness around it? Yeah, so definitely in terms of the innovative side of things, we're definitely trying to push the barriers with the transcription. So we've done a pilot with one of the hospitals up in Liverpool, Alderhey Children's Hospital, where they were getting the recordings of the transcriptions from the clinicians 
And actually, instead of paying a pool of people to sit there and type in the, the transcriptions, we, we were asking the digital worker to take that information and turn that into a letter. And um, I say the pilot was really successful. We, we, we're just waiting to start to roll that out to Alderhay, and then we will look to roll that out to the rest of the NHS. But that's really pushing the boundaries of of RPA because obviously there's a lot of interpretation of that information that's that that's coming in. So I think yeah, that's not just plain RPA. And the other benefit with the Blue Prism Cloud that we that we work with is the AI. You don't just have to put one process to one digital worker, they will swarm and find where the work is so that we've got that utilization of the platform. So that's really taking it another step further as well. That is, that's a unique, that's a unique uh, use case that I've heard. So and you use the word swarm, which I actually quite like. So your digital workers are multi-purpose. One digital worker does not just do one thing. They can exchange work with other digital workers or take priority work over other work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it's quite good because actually some of the back office processes can be run overnight or at the weekend when the priority processes for clinical need to be run in the day. So what we like to do is also always make sure people have got that return on investment, they've got best value and they're utilizing what they've purchased. We're all taxpayers. We want to see that benefit going through the system. And that's what we're really proud about with working with Blue Prism Cloud. That's the opportunity there to make sure you're maxing out your investment. I love it. If you were to ballpark it, how many digital workers are employed by the NHS? So we are looking at 150 in the next three months, new ones. I wouldn't, there's over six, there's over 65 NHS trusts using Blue Prism Cloud. And I would say the average is four to five digital workers. So I hope your maths is good, Sina. <laughs> so that's about your, your, your figure, but certainly there's been a real up uptake in the last six months with some funding from NHSX available for NHS hospitals to be able to, to get into this space, to be able to support their journey and they're guiding them through and supporting them with the sort of KPIs and tracking of that return on investment as well. So there's been a big step change with this is becoming mass market very quickly. I'm predicting probably two or three years, this will be a bit like Teams is now, it's BAU, it's how did we ever cope without these kind of platforms before? So I think we're going on a really steep adoption curve now after relatively four or five years, the growth has got from zero to 65. But as I said, in the last three months, I'm working on directly myself, another 35 within six months. So it just shows you that, that real increase and in, in interest. And the beauty of it is because Blue Prism Cloud is the technology of choice, you've got that ability to collaborate and share in this community. So although the technology, I think, is definitely one of the leading technologies out there, it's more than that for me. It's about how do we share, collaborate, even share resources. One trust might want to have development resource from another. There's loads of training out there. There's loads of expertise that we can draw on. And, and that's how you get that return to value a lot quicker. You're not starting from scratch. You're literally picking up the phone and asking people, what did they do? What were your lessons learned? What can you help us with certain things? Have you done that process already? 
because a lot of the systems are very similar. And actually, although the process will be slightly different, you're at a good starting point to be able to say, the trust up the road has already done half of these processes. So can we start a bit of a standing start really? So yeah, I think that that's the answer to that one. It definitely sounds like a steep curve ahead of you is one of your predictions. I would be keen to to pick up on a few more of those. If you put your crystal ball in, in front of you, what, what do you think really the next year, two year holds for healthcare improvements, not just driven by automation, but driven by technology, maybe even some of what you might think is going to be driven by a combination of technology automation in this continued work from home, which I'm sure a lot of your unsung heroes do today. Yeah, definitely. So I think, again, it will just continue with that want for technology adoption. Now we almost feel like we've broken through the reticence post this COVID period. People are now looking for technology. One of the big drivers within the NHS is sustainability, where we have technology that can support the net zero targets of the NHS. I think that's going to be massive in the next three to five years. We're looking at technologies such as remote monitoring. So how do we keep patients out of the hospital and how do we release patients back into the community or back to their home quicker? Because the most expensive part of a patient's journey is in the actual hospital setting. So the more we can do to prevent any illness or obviously support people from their homes or community settings. That's the kind of technology that the NHS will be looking for. So I think, yeah, things like remote monitoring is really key. I think they'll be looking a lot more about how they use AI because data is massive in the NHS. They've got masses of data. <clears throat> a lot of it is in different silos. So how do we access all of this rich data um, and make it into meaningful, actionable insights? Because it's all very well having big data. <laughs> But if you can't do anything with it and you don't do anything with it, it's meaningless. So that's a big challenge, but also a massive opportunity in my eyes. Couldn't agree more. Customer insights are so incredibly impactful when you do stuff with them. <laughs> but if you yeah. don't, yeah, I'm off or not. So what are those key metrics? If you had to hold up three key metrics that businesses should be thinking about when they start that they might not be thinking the classic hours back to the business, as you mentioned, key and people know going in, they should be measuring that. What should they be thinking about measuring that maybe they're not even thinking about measuring as they venture into a project? Yeah, I think again, it goes back to really what I've just mentioned about sustainability. What is the impact? And it's not just the direct impact, it's the indirect impact as well. So looking at the whole supply chains, circular economies, what is it that we can get from our suppliers that they do in different industries and translate that into the NHS? Because one of the, I suppose, the challenges that I've faced and I've worked in the private sector previously to, to healthcare is there's loads of great staff that goes on outside of the NHS, but actually how do we learn from other industries? Because RPA and, and intelligent automation is not something that's really very new. Lots of other organizations have used it for many years, but we haven't embraced that in the NHS. So 
how do we open ourselves up to looking outside and maybe getting key speakers in from different industries or looking at different case studies and not being frightened about taking advice from other people and vice versa. There's a lot of great things that the NHS do, but it's definitely not being scared of that technology and going outside of that. But yeah, sustainability for me is key. What is our carbon footprint? print of this project what are we what difference are we making to our carbon uh, footprint net zero goals with the project as well as the financial savings and the time given back and the staff health and well-being there's got to be some good elements that we can put forward in terms of sustainability definitely yeah strategic tying it into the strategy of what you're going for a bigger picture i think that's incredibly insightful So before we go, I would just like to spend a moment talking about you being a woman in RPA. You also mentioned at the beginning that you come from a family of entrepreneurs. So kicking up your own business wasn't too frightful. This industry, I find, is pretty littered with women. It's not for lack of women in the industry. Why do you think this industry, RPA, intelligent automation, whatever we shall call it, is so attractive to uh, a diverse set of talent, women, men, young and old. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a really interesting one and it's one that we talk about quite a lot. For me, and I am not a technical person at all, so I think there's a lot of preconceptions when you talk, especially in acronyms, and we do that a lot in the UK, I'm sure you guys do it as well. But when we talk in this sort of code of technical code, it actually makes it a bit more complicated than it needs to be. And I think some of the women, certainly myself, was in it, were initially put off by, is this really technical? Is this something that I'm going to understand? And actually what I've found in my skill set and the, the role that I play is I'm actually really process driven. I'm very outcome results driven. And that's really the core of what automation is put in to actually solve problems and, and deliver outcomes. It's less about the technology for me. It's more about what it can do to, for the organization to achieve those outcomes. So I think there's people that need to be able to see that and support with the process of gathering the metrics and getting the stakeholders on board. And then you definitely have your technical teams that probably don't like the bit that I like, and they want to do the development and the analyst part and the build. And again, and then you hand off to the customer success team who've got different skill sets. So. It's so diverse. And like you say, young and old, men or women, it doesn't really matter. It's just let's have a look at the skill set and see where that fits. And I would say with RPA, there is a place for everybody. There's, it's not just one, one size fits all. So, yeah, I would say to women that are thinking about getting involved in this space, open your mind to it. Talk to other women that are working in, in automation and find out the different types of job roles because this is a massive growth area. So it's a real opportunity for career progression. So definitely just reach out and the Women in RPA is a fantastic forum for that. And we're definitely going to do more this year in the UK with workshops and just virtual copies just to chat about what all our challenges are and how we can all help and support each other. But Definitely not something to be scared of. Do you see in your industry, healthcare, a significant bias in, in gender role? Yes, in IT and finance. I haven't got the actual stats, but I think in terms of the NHS, there's, there are a lot of women because there are a lot of women in the clinical setting. But actually when it comes to the, the IT digital function, finance is very male dominated. A lot of fantastic female leaders. 
but yeah, it'd be interesting to get the stats, but certainly for the, from my experience, it's changing. It's definitely changing. And there's a lot, um, of great, fantastic young people with some great ideas coming through and that are sure to take it forward. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely male orientated from the technology. So it's a fun industry. I know I've enjoyed it in the four years I've been part of it. It sounds like you've been part of it longer than I have. What, what uh, closing thoughts do you have for our listeners? To I think again, it's just about being open to the new opportunities. Some of the technology that's going to come down the line, we haven't even thought about yet. So it's really starting to just, just think about how we can use technology as an enabler to help us get to that end goal, which is ultimately to increase productivity drive down cost and improve patient care and, and let's have a look fail fast. If something doesn't work, that's fine. We've tried it. Let's move on. I think sometimes with the NHS, it can be a little bit, a lot of red tape to, to try things, but actually there's some nice relationships we've got now with the academic health science network, where they're all about innovation and bringing new technology to the, to the end users. So they've been fantastic to fast track a lot of this. But yeah, just don't be worried about it. Don't spend too long thinking about it. Let's just get some of this technology in. We know it works. We know it delivers results. It's about doing the do, which is what, that's my sort of ethos really. Those are some uh, incredibly powerful uh, closing thoughts. Don't worry, just do it, get on. It's proven technology. I think that is key. It, it is not proof of concept stage technology these days. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Let's all let's all get on with it. Just do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Louise, for joining me today. Well, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us this uh, time on Transform Now. And we look forward to seeing you on a future program. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now. Thank you.